On today's episode of Tapcaf Transmissions, we give our full spoiler breakdown for the new novel Shadow of the Sith. If you haven't read it yet, you might want to come back to this one. It's pretty good, and it's pretty new. Also, for next week, we will be continuing with our look at the Yuzhan Vong War. So, if you want to read along, we're in book two of the Agents of Chaos duology, which is called Jedi Eclipse. Alright, let's roll the intro. Hello there, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tapcalf Transmissions. I am Corey. Joining me, as always, is Justin. How are you doing, Justin Slatter? I'm good. I'm uh, I'm very well. Uh, just finished reading Shadow of the Sith, not Shadows of the Sith, as I've accidentally been calling it on and off. Mm. Shadow. There's only one shadow being cast by this Sith in particular. But uh, how are you, Corey? I'm good. Normally we have a few minutes to catch up before the episode, but uh, we we didn't tonight, so I'm curious about all the happenings in your life. I, I've been fine. I think I fixed my webcam, so I'm coming in at a oh, higher resolution. Oh, did you figure out what was going usual. on? I updated What's... my BIOS, and it seems to be working, so I guess it was motherboard updates I needed to mm, do. Yeah, you look rather poor today. See all the pores. Thanks. You're, you're welcome. I'm nah, taking I... the webcam back. <laughs> Yeah, return that thing. Too high def. No, I, I, I'm good, though. I don't think there's a whole lot new for me. I booked some tickets to uh, for Halifax Comic Con, nice. and you, you've said you may be appearing as well. So um, I don't know if there are enough Tapcaf fans to, uh, <laughs> to have a meetup, but if you decide to go, then, uh, you know, consider stopping I mean, by and if you see us. If nothing else, it might mean that there's an episode of the podcast where instead of being two boxes of a webcam, there's one webcam box that's bigger, and I'm sitting on an egg crate behind you or something. So that's <laughs> that's going to be the highest production value. Yeah, just like very far behind me. Like you're like, <laughs> like you know how those like streamer houses, there'll always just be like people in the background doing yeah, something, that'll walking be... by with an egg salad sandwich or something. Yeah, that'll... you're not taking an egg. Have you? I don't know if you've seen how small my office is, but no, you're not taking an egg salad sandwich in here. That'd be fucking disgusting <laughs> i don't i don't like most sandwiches and i think that's especially true for egg salad sandwiches we've never talked about my food preferences on the podcast uh, as far as i can weird. remember we, so yeah we um we're gonna have to talk about that i i remember one of the hardest moments of my life was like telling my 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 grandmother my nanny um i was your like co-host doesn't like sandwiches no i was like dad you put too much mayo on it it's <laughs> gross <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. But for me, I was like, I was like work because I used to go there every day for lunch in elementary yeah. school. So I've been like working up the uh, the kind of the heart to tell her, and then she's like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> my grandma does not does not cook. So whenever me and my sister were staying at her place, like with her and my grandpa, uh, it'd be generally like the the toaster pancakes, you know, the frozen mm -hmm. ones that you just pop in. That'd mm -hmm. be dinner most of the time, but then. She made sandwiches for us for lunch once and just like regular deli meat sandwiches. And mm -hmm. like I I never liked sandwiches, but I had to really pretend I was having a, a coming to Jesus moment with sandwiches to not 
have to tell you her that uh, this yeah, is actually, I, mean, I don't want this. With old people, that could be the thing that finally kills them. Yeah. You know, that could be it. So, yeah, right, well, I can definitely relate. We are going to be talking about Shadow of the Sith today, a very long novel. Mm, uh, Jesus Christ. Sorry. It's, it's different when you're trying to to read it on a schedule, but... yeah. When I'm normally reading a book, I like length. I don't care about it at all. Yeah. Like this would not have, the length of this wouldn't have turned me off whatsoever. But you're right. When we've got a week between novels, and realistically, for me, it's like we could have know. started much earlier than we did. Yes, yes, that's our but, fault. Yeah, it's totally our fault. Uh, but yeah, this was a long one. Um, the audiobook was only about 18 hours, which isn't that much longer. I don't know if it was just because of uh, narration, but but yeah. Uh, but before we get into the book, any any Star Wars news that's come out that you want to get into? I don't think there's really been um, any big announcements recently. The big thing is that there's this podcast called Tapcaf Transmissions, which you should take some time to uh, go on your favorite uh, podcast platform, subscribe or follow, and leave five stars because it really, really helps. Uh, between last episode, we did get this review by Wilhelm, who has been listening to this for two years now and still love it. From the balanced discourse, the variety of coverage on books, shows, and news, Corey and Justin will always keep things fresh and real and give us something to look forward to each week. Keep up the great work, guys. Hey, so, thank you. Yeah. That's pretty uh, important news there. Other than that, I don't think we've gotten a whole lot. Is there anything you can think of? Uh no, there's no there's been no show to watch for Star Wars. Like thank God we're gonna be having two mm. at a time in a few in a few I months. I know, it's gonna be crazy. The Galactic Star Cruiser are caught on fire, which is kinda of funny. <laughs> and like really? literally this time, not figuratively. I I had not heard that. Yeah, is everyone okay? Fire and they, I think it was a very small fire and they okay, had to evacuate, but it was funny because apparently have you ever been to Disney before? Uh, when I was like eight. No, I, I would have been five. It was 1997. So. Well, honestly, like the cast is the best part. Um, so I guess they were, they were doing a pretty fun job to try to keep it all within universe, even though they're like, like you go inside the star cruiser and it's, you know, it's supposed to look like a star Wars ship and they're evacuating through what is essentially like a backstage door, like into an industrial parking lot. <laughs> that, that's so. a missed opportunity. I know you got to keep things obvious, but like escape pods or that. Yeah. You just throw that on there. Oh my god, look at this industrial shithole. It must be Corellia or Fondor or something. We did actually, I think, review copies of the uh, Galactic Star Cruiser tie-in book are starting to go out. Uh, so okay. Is that, be, the, that's the, is that the romance uh, one? Yeah, the Han and Leia. Okay, I might, I might have to read that one. <laughs> might have to read that one. Um, but, yeah, uh, it, it hopefully involves a scene where uh, we see a young uh, Ben Solo being conceived on like some dirty motel sheets because I imagine that's what the Star Cruiser would have to be in universe. I know well, it's yeah, a fancy Han's thing, going but, there, but yeah, exactly. He's got he's been banned from most fancy establishments, so yeah, it's like oh, we got to go to the Galactic Star Cruiser ice machine. <laughs> Get mugged by Trandoshans. Well, those are the better places to go because if you go to somewhere that's too high end, then those are the ones that have like the mini fridges that will charge you if you move something so you can put your own drinks in the fridge. Oh, I totally agree. I I actually really like hotels for some reason. Um, like if if I'm going to a city, I, like I I don't know. I, I like staying in 
just standard hotels where you know what they're like and you know all the like no huge surprises but i don't know i'm kind of weird like that i don't know the last time i would have stayed in the hotel it's like the last trip i made was when i went mm. to scotland in like 2017 but i stayed at my friend's place for that so it would have been like with my family as a kid my hotel oh, really? experience is lacking oh well when you come to halifax um maybe yeah. you'll stay in a hotel then I definitely will, and I'll... or an Airbnb. You, you, Airbnbs here are pretty plentiful, so yeah, that's why Charlie can't find a house. Yeah, exactly. But uh... um, yeah, should we talk about the book? Give our, do you want to give a general kind of thirty-second impression before we go full into spoilers? Considering this one is pretty new. Yeah, so uh, I'll do a plot synopsis rather than impression. Uh, we'll save the impressions for after the synopsis, but uh, basically, this is a story that has a few different main plots. So a lot of them do tie together a lot earlier than typical than is typical for a Star Wars book. But mm-hmm. you have your primary thing that you're coming here for from the cover. You have a Luke and Lando adventure. You mm-hmm. have Ray's parents running away from Ochi of Bastoon. And you have Ochi mm-hmm. of Bastoon trying to track down Ray and Ray's parents. Drinking engine coolant. So Luke's stuff opens with him t- trying to track down Jedi and Sith artifacts. Uh, he's getting some visions of Exegol. Uh and we find out they're coming from a long dead but not super dead sith lord kind of viceroy dude who Mm -hmm. is living in a mask uh there's hunting for him there's hunting for ray and ray's parents uh lando struggling with finding his daughter Mm -hmm. i was yeah very depressing storyline there especially considering we know how it ends up (laughs) yeah well we we sort of know how it middles up i feel like I mean, the raised parent stuff man. is a bit more yeah it was a pretty depressing story all around um yeah but yeah so so i guess that that's a good way to set the scene uh and i, I think the very first chapter is ray i think i think it goes maybe ray's parents then luke and then lando which kind of storyline early on were you most engaged in or interested in uh Early on, <clears throat> early on, I think the Luke. Oh stuff my God! Is a... that the spirit of Viceroy? <laughs> hell, <laughs> I'm in hell. Hell. <laughs> Why won't they let the Sith be Sith? <laughs> the Sith lords are just angry at a god they don't believe. In. <laughs> but people are gonna be very confused. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the I I think like looking for the Sith artifacts as just kind of the the world building for mm-hmm. new canon and stuff that I'm not as familiar with is what I was most interested in. I think overall uh, it's Lando as a character that's kind of the brightest spot for me for the yeah. book. This is a, honestly, I don't think we've ever had uh, a Lando story that was like that handled the character in as interesting a way. Cause like you get kind of the Luke and Lando adventure of the Corellian trilogy where he's trying to find his, find a mm-hmm. wife rather than find his lost daughter and a lot of that is uh a bit more comedy than like really giving his character depth and mm-hmm. besides that it's just what the black fleet crisis stuff which uh, yeah. was more serious but also uh was more of like the mystery of get a good look at lando in early fate of the jedi but yeah yeah um... well in fate of the jedi he's already got his son who does nothing ever yeah and here he's looking for his daughter so 
Yeah, that's kind of what I tweeted last night. Um, it's like it's amazing how different Lando in canon versus Lando in Legends is. Mm-hmm. And I actually like what they're doing with him in Legends, um, where in canon, canon yeah, sorry, in canon rather, in Legends, there's little Lando Jr. who's like con- conceived and uh, birthed and then kind of never heard from again. Uh, and Lando kind of just does this thing that most of the Legends characters do where they essentially continue on their life in the same way. Um, and in canon, you know, Lando loses his daughter at, she's two, two and a half, and it really kind of dominates the rest of his life. And there's little bits of like, there's little cracks where old Lando comes through, but I mean, he's, he's dealing with some serious trauma and it's not something that's like cleanly, you know, cleanly taken care of like a, a solo child kidnapping would be in Legends. Like his kid's gone. At yeah. this point, she's been gone for a decade. And, you know, we're still 15 years out from or I, almost 20 years out from episode nine. So, you know, his life is pretty much kind of ruined by this event. And it's 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 definitely an interesting thing to do with the with the. The character who is so kind of exciting and lovable and even bombastic sometimes to put him in this completely other direction. Yeah, this is the book kind of sets up a lot for events we see in Rise of Skywalker. So or in the sequel trilogy more generally, where it's kind of the story of why Rey ends up on Jakku, uh, why her parents choose to leave her on Jakku, what happens to her parents, which we know from the from Rise of Skywalker that Ochi does kill her parents. And we see that happening here. Uh, but we don't have much background on like the choices they made or why they would have left her with Unkar Plutt. Uh, and I thought all of that was actually handled pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we see how Lando ends up on Pasana, though it is a, a long uh, hermitage there for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he's, he essentially becomes... Uh, him and Luke kind of both end up finding their own way to being hermits. I was kind of wondering if this is like the last time they would have seen each other, too. Probably, yeah. Lando is still, he's not like stuck there. He's using it as a base no, to yeah. keep searching for his daughter. So he probably does like come and go from Pasana. But the whole thing is also kind of, you know, he, we, they talk about at the beginning of the book how um, he uses his daughter's disappearance as an excuse. Like yeah. he uses, oh, I'm going to be using this. Like he even says specifically, he, he acted like he hadn't searched this planet for a while so he could go gambling there. So, yeah. I kind of got the feeling he's using the Pasana as the base of operations in the system as like, I kind of just need to lose myself in the desert for, for a long time. Yeah. Like he, he doesn't want to give up hope of finding his daughter, but he's not super hopeful still. Yeah. He I really, like... sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, I feel like by the end he has almost given up hope and kind of dealt with it in a way. I don't know. Yeah, like he's he's very into the search for uh, Ray and stopping Oji from getting Ray to kind of uh, as a stand-in for his daughter and how he feels about that and f- doesn't want to feel like he gave up on Ray's family or mm-hmm. failed Ray's family the way he feels that he failed his daughter, but yeah. didn't uh, I know the novelization at least mentions that like the uh former alliance leaders and their kids were going missing and i think mentions lando's daughter explicitly but does the movie actually keep any of i know it was in the deleted scene but did, did the movie actually keep in any mention of lando's daughter yeah he mentions that as he mentions his daughter's missing but um i i, I believe anyway i believe i thought that was just a deleted scene i haven't watched 
Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, there were a lot of moments where I was reading this book. I was like, I wish I could bring myself to watch this movie again. Or, but, or like, I wish I had time to watch it again. Yeah. Um, I believe he mentions his daughter, but maybe not. I maybe know it's in the, the novel. in the chat has got to know. But I don't yeah. think it actually stayed in the movie. But I feel like I remember talking about his daughter after watching the movie. So I don't know. Yeah. But I, yeah, yeah I, I do need to rewatch Rise of Skywalker at some mm-hmm. point. Yeah. It's the only Star Wars movie Dana still hasn't seen. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So, well, that in the animated Clone Wars movie, but I'm probably not going to get her to watch that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just, I'm reading right now. Um... Yeah, it was definitely in the visual dictionary as well. Maybe that's why. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I guess it wasn't in the movie. Interesting. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, he mentions that at Pasana and he's... I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to listen to this. I'm gonna try to watch it as we talk. But yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he says it explicitly. I think he like alludes to it at the end of the movie, uh, with like finding your families and stuff. But, mm-hmm. uh, but anyways, yeah, yeah. So the a lot of the like the movie that this ties in closest to is Rise of Skywalker, where it's a lot of the details from that that are kind of being expanded mm-hmm. on it's not it's not gonna probably change yeah, anyone's pe- opinion people, on rise of skywalker but it does it, help with a lot of the background yeah i feel like people had kind of high ex- uh, like i was reading i'd kind of read through i did like an early reading of this book uh where i literally just skimmed it got the main plot points which i do a lot when we get these advanced reader copies just to see like do i really need to read this early and prepare uh like is there going to be something earth shattering <laughs> And there really isn't. It kind of just... It does clear up a, a couple of weird plot points. Um, like the fact that... The big one is... Why are Ray's parents leaving Jakku and Ochi's shuttle? That was always kind of a weird one. Um, but other than that, it's mostly just context. Uh, and in a way, to me, this book almost felt like a kind of a classic Bantam novel. Um, I can see that. Where it's like... I, for one, I was really surprised that the the, the Sith who is casting the shadow is um, someone new, like a new Sith threat out of completely out of nowhere, basically, rather than Palpatine or something. And I, I've got to admit, I was both like kind of happy with that because it, it did kind of remind me of kind of those old Bantam stories where it is almost like villain of the week. But also, I was a bit disappointed that it didn't kind of you know, go out there a little more and kind of explore some of the more uh, kind of mysterious aspects of things leading into the rise of Skywalker. Um, So I I felt a bit like a missed opportunity there, especially on that side for me. Well, I think the, the Sith whose name I forget after reading is like Enix. uh, But it's the both Kiza and that Sith, are from prior stuff as well. Like the yeah, Acolytes so, are from Aftermath. Yeah, they're from the Aftermath series. Yeah, so um, it's, it's wrapping like that even, up rather than something new. Even in that Aftermath series, like, so the Aftermath series, for those who don't know, is basically the first um, bit of Star Wars canon uh, material, expanded universe canon material. 
And in that, there there are the the story of the acolytes of the beyond, and they are largely relegated to like like the story is not about them. Yeah, it's like interludes. They're stuff. interludes. Yeah, uh, it's kind of the same with um with what's his name in in Boba Fett's armor, um, Cobb Vanth. Yeah, Cobb Vanth. He gets a bit more attention from what I remember. Um, but and I I don't think that the one um I was meant to ask Alex about this because I know he would know, but I don't think the 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 one. Uh, kind of good former accolade of the beyond. I don't think she was in aftermath. I don't remember her anyway. Um, but yeah, it, it was interesting that they were pulling from not only that, but they referenced the Ochi comics pretty heavily as well. Yeah. Like I, my, I haven't. I don't think I've read any of the Ochi stuff outside of uh, this and watching the movie. So I haven't read the the comics, but I know Ochi has a. Uh, pretty big cult following at this point. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. I mean, his one comic is interesting. Um, not his one, but the one that I've read, the one that a lot of people read, where he does travel to Exegol that one time, and yeah, he loses his eyes, eyes gazing upon the Kyber crystal and stuff. That is a pretty cool comic. Um, I, I think one of my issues with <laughs> kind issues. of it's a comic. <laughs> yeah, got it. But one of my issues with the comic is it feels like they're throwing big star wars names into like a random name generator where or like a like a random combination generator where it's like ochi and it's like knights of ren team up with kira to face off against palpatine and it's like it that's feels a very like, comics thing to do though just it in is general. It, it totally is 100 percent agree but it's like it, it's just i lose a lot of kind of my interest in reading these comics when it feels like the, the interesting ones, like Ochi going to Exegol, are countered by like a, a six issue. Like, there's literally a story right now where the Knights of Ren are teaming up with Kira in Crimson Dawn. I, I think Crimson Dawn to take on Palpatine. It's just kind of kind of weird in my yeah. Because I think Ochi goes from working for Vader to working with Crimson Dawn as well. Yeah, but yeah. So yeah, it's like it's like that that uh, South Park thing where they're making fun of family guy and they're throwing the or they're having the i think it's like seals drop a ball into a tank it's like oh this is how we come up with our ideas it kind of feels like that sometimes yeah i, I can kind of see that but i'm sure we'll, we're starting to get the exact same thing on tv shows as well so yeah absolutely and and you're you're totally right that it is a common comic thing um that's how you get the avengers like yeah for sure for sure um but yeah i i were you disappointed that the like for me I, I was excited because this felt like it could be our first real kind of post uh post return of the jedi luke story not not, not our, our first obviously we've had battlefront and stuff but our most consequential and like we could actually be dealing with you know things that had big story implications and maybe we get a hint at things luke set up that we might deal with later on and I was happy we did get such a big Luke story, but I'm kind of mixed on the fact that it wasn't really the most consequential in creating new plot lines. Like it definitely did fill in things for kind of Ray's story and other aspects, but there wasn't a whole lot new here, I guess. Uh, I was happy with how it fleshed out some of like, Luke searching for the Jedi and Sith artifacts, some mm-hmm. of the background on how a lot of that worked. I wasn't yeah. expecting, uh, I wasn't really expecting it to introduce anything that would be 
a specific hint at a long-term threat, mm-hmm. I guess, or something that would set up a plot line for later on, aside from maybe some of the elements of background or world building. But mm-hmm. yeah, so, so I, I guess I didn't really, I wasn't really disappointed by that. I guess I was I, expecting to see maybe, sorry, continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I just, I've never been under the impression that uh, they are ready to address the post-Tross galaxy yet. So I, I really don't think a novel is going to go there until plans for something bigger are set out. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's a movie or a TV show. If it's a TV show, it'll probably take longer. If it's a movie, it's probably still going to take a while as well. Like yeah. maybe that was going to be Rogue Squadron, but with movies being where they are, they need to stop announcing movies until they're oh, yeah, actually sure. being made. But uh, yeah. yeah, I don't think a book will take that step. I'm not even saying it necessarily needs to be a like something that's going to be movie related, but it just, it it felt like this book was a bit more kind of like, I I almost would have liked if this, if if they could have had a trilogy, because this is a very interesting kind of time period. And I would have liked to see kind of a bigger story, even if it doesn't end up being something that's ever touched on outside of the actual book, outside of the actual books, it could have been a cool kind of introduction for, okay, this is something interesting about Palpatine. That's maybe going to be touched on later. Or I, I mean, I guess I just wasn't expecting it to be literally a villain of the week story. I was expecting there to be more Palpatine or more kind of something. Well, I I think it is kind of setting up for the fact that like you probably aren't going to have a super big like the next thing they do probably isn't going to be a big Sith villain, but it doesn't fully shut down stuff like the Acolytes. And it does set up for the fact that there is a lot of these dark side relics being uncovered in other places and these kind of these things that have been there forever and sure luke breaks this mask but a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff is still out there so there's a few lines that they could pick up off of that if they really wanted to mm-hmm. or like they don't, they don't really have to so mm-hmm. it, it leaves it leaves the window open for those stories even if it's not a door agreed it's just i don't know it, it feels like where they're i guess my point is the I, I've, I've talked about how it feels kind of like a bantamera book to me and that has positives and negatives. The yeah. positives is that you get lots of really fun stories where they tell wild things. Like like in this book, it's pretty cool and it's out there and it's a lot more interesting than a lot of the other one-off Star Wars novels. Uh, at least like they take more risks or the author takes more risks. But it also, it doesn't feel necessarily like it's a part of a, a greater thing. And like you're saying, they definitely can pick up on plot threads, but it doesn't feel like it was designed um to be that way and i just feel like where there is like there's so much maybe there's trump really trying to save this era even this era for like i guess it's starting to rub up against the mandalorian and other things uh they don't want to make anything that they got a retcon but i just kind of wish they would do something i don't know i I do think that like there's always going to be a feeling of like a non-starter with Luke's Academy and Luke's Academy related stuff. Cause I think that's kind of what you're getting at with uh, mm-hmm. something that could have been more consequential with Luke, but like we know where that ends and it ends pretty soon. And it, it's going to be really difficult for any story to really grab onto something with that. Aside from the, uh, I think it's the Ben Solo comics where yeah. it's more of Luke and Ben's adventure stuff. But yeah. I'm starting to be kind of curious whether we'll find out about 
survivors from this Jedi purge as well. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. There's definitely going to be some, in my yeah. opinion. Because, um, like, it was... The Academy, sure, gets completely destroyed by Ban and the Knights of Ren, but there we know there are other Jedi that are active and older that aren't just hanging around the Academy all the time. I don't know if there are other Jedi that are older than Ben. Did you get the feeling there were? I'm I think one sh- gets mentioned in here, doesn't? Like the, the Twilight Lady? I feel like she was about... I think we was talked about this under? earlier. I feel like she was kind of more of a, a helper. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I kind of felt like she was about Ben's age. She could have been older. But I didn't. I'm not sure if there are others. I kind of hope there are that are older than Ben. We see some that are like his age in the the, the Ben Solo comics. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I, it's it doesn't seem like Luke took on too many other. It's it doesn't seem like it's Legends where Luke, you know, Kyle Katarn came along and he's you know in his 20s or 30s, like all these like older Jedi. Uh, maybe it's possible, but so far it seems like he he was training people from a pretty young age. Well, there's one of the things that I talked about with Kenobi and Reva is like one of the things that I'm looking forward to with uh, future stories is seeing whether and how Luke and his order interact with some of those characters. Like we've seen that he interacts with Ahsoka in some way. Right. And we know that there are others like Cal. Cal Calcastus could be around. Plenty of potentially going to be around. So Mm -hmm. like maybe his order doesn't end up taking on some of the older people. Maybe none of them want to join. Maybe he only really does meet Ahsoka. But there are these other Force-sensitive people who were, who either mm-hmm. are still considering themselves Jedi or did consider themselves a Jedi at some point, like Ahsoka, that have probably some kind of reckoning to do with the fact that, like, Anakin's son is restarting the Jedi Order. Like, yeah, it's great that you threw Palpatine down a well, Anakin, but you're still... Not a well. Down... A, reactor shaft but mm-hmm. you're still anakin skywalker uh now we have to follow luke and maybe luke's an okay guy but like ahsoka even saying like oh you remind me of your father there maybe check on that negatives to that as well <laughs> but <laughs> maybe watch out for that <laughs> yeah so i feel like there's got to be some older people who are at least force sensitive yeah. aware of luke's academy yeah. and have interacted with luke in some way that i think maybe that's just the like, most interesting maybe they just think like luke's come. like small time shit like yeah maybe like this is this is fucking junior league like i'm out here just doing a jedi like like you haven't even you can't even color inside the lines yet luke <laughs> yeah maybe maybe canon kakrook is out there somewhere like running his own jedi academy still yeah there's like and... five thousand knights they're just all in the expansion region only in the expansion region <laughs> Go out further, nope. Going more forward, nope. Expansion region only. Yeah, we get to see uh, Ray versus Kakruk to be Grand Master of the Jedi Order. Yeah. yeah. I'm calling it, that's my prediction for the Rogue Squadron movie. Ray versus Kakruk, Jedi duel. That'd be sick. on the line. Yeah, in a hangar bay. In just like uh, when, when Saba pushed what's-his-name down a... Kent Hamner? Yeah. When like Saba that. brutally murdered Kent Hamner? Yeah. No justification blood. whatsoever. Cold blood murder. Still the angriest Discord message I've ever received, which is saying something. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, so speaking of Jedi and Anakin, did you like... So Luke goes kind of on a, a mind journey here. and So a lot of this book is about Exegol. You don't go there pretty much at all. Um, but Kiza is... That's her name, right? Kiza? Yep. She's trying to travel to Exegol... 
Uh, although it's she's more kind of being influenced to travel to Exegol. Ochi is trying to go to Exegol because he had a crazy experience there during the war. And uh, and Luke is trying to find out the location of Exegol too for kind of obvious reasons. And while he's meditating, he kind of goes on a mind journey there. And he is attacked by these dark figures. I don't think they're supposed to be the Knights of Ren because they're using lightsabers. I think they're probably just kind of either Sith ghosts or kind of spec like just spirits or manifestations or they're just Sith eternal members and he's saved by kind of the force ghost of his father. Uh, what did you think of that scene? I actually liked it. I did like how it like had some mentions of both young and old Anakin. Yeah, that was so cool it's not too. a thing that he's always able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh like he's trying to pick up a, a a force ghost at the club and he's like he's young sexy hating christensen and then he's like he keeps force flashing back to like old anakin sebastian he's like no shaw. not now please yeah <laughs> not sebastian shaw sebastian uh, i wonder if that ever okay. happens to obi-wan or if it's just uh, an anakin thing because he's going back and forth between pre-fall and yeah. post-redemption anakin yeah but i don't know i liked it i like seeing luke and anakin interact i do like that uh there wasn't the same uh, self-righteousness to Anakin as in Teresa Bakura. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Some, I, I think... So he's kind of struggling to maintain his form. Yeah. And some people argued that was because he kind of just exerted so much energy, which is definitely possible. To me, I feel like it's more representative of the fact that, you know, he's still got a lot of shit to kind of come to reckoning with. Yeah. That's how I felt when I was reading it, rather than mm-hmm. it was the, uh, like, I felt it was more of a, uh, yeah, he shouldn't necessarily be able to take this form in the first place, rather than, oh, mm-hmm. I just fought off those Sith ghosts and it's really difficult. Especially because, mm-hmm. like, in his in his uh, penitent form, he's trying to, he's going to Exegol to do that, which is probably yeah. not easy when you're yeah in the process of unsithifying yourself. Like, if you're mm-hmm. detoxing and then you just yeah. jump into a pool full of beer, then that's probably yeah. great. Yeah. No, that's a good, that's a good point. I hadn't really thought of that. Um, yeah. that's. I, I liked it. I liked him. I thought it was pretty clever for him to be kind of flashing between his different forms. It's like it's like George fighting back. Or George, George like, trying to keep the Hayden Christensen special edition changes in. Well, the editor tries to cut it back, but... uh. Yeah, I was always, by the way, for those wondering, I was always a Sebastian Shaw was my favorite version of the Forest Ghost. Yeah, I feel like Obi-Wan and Anakin would, or Obi-Wan and Yoda would have been standing there feeling like they got a raw deal if uh, yeah. they're standing next to Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Like, does, Obi-Wan's like, does your guys' back hurt? And Yoda's like, yeah. Anakin's like, no, I feel great. But, I mean, if we're not this crude matter, then like the Force Ghosts are just a manifestation of whatever. They can all show up however yeah. they want. Yeah. So, yeah. just Obi-Wan and Yoda weren't trying hard enough. Or maybe they didn't want to appear that other way. Maybe they were happy yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Look, all, all I'm saying is that I, if I'm ever coming back as a Force ghost, I'm coming back as, like, five-year-old me. I was much smaller. I could fit in a lot of places. If I'm a ghost, <laughs> I'm not worried about climbing up things and falling. So, I just clamber up whatever if I'm too short for something. I, I was always really happy with being a tiny person, so it 
I don't know. I don't. Yeah. I'm gonna come back only as like a mole that I have on my back. <laughs> so you're just so like floating yeah. there. Just floating there. Yeah. Is that what like ghost orbs are in the stupid ghost hunter shows? That's yeah. All the ghosts who've only decided to come back as a mole. It's like, oh my god, he came back, but it's just his foreskin. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's basically, what's going on? That's your foreskin, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> he lost that when he was very young. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I was once circumcised, same as your father. <laughs> uh, I love the cartoon character joke, but yeah, it's good, good shit. Uh, yeah, that was a good scene. I'm trying to think of what else kind of stands out from early on in the book. We, we already kind of talked about the Aaron Venture returning. Was there anything else? Any other legends nods? Uh, we do get the CSA and the uh, the Espos. Yeah. Uh, CSA has been around. They've been mentioned a yeah, fair few they times, but. Here we get like them trying to form a little empire, and we do have a few appearances from uh, uh, General Pride. Or yeah, he's General's an alcoholic. Yeah, yeah. He's t- I, I didn't love him. I didn't I love mean, Pride yeah. in this. I didn't think it was very accurate to his character. Yeah, I always uh, like, especially as Huck's got a bit more uh, comic relief. Like it seemed like Pride was supposed to be the more serious. Yeah. Like Although I guess this is just one. like this is technically I guess pride in his like down years. Yeah. Um, After the empire's in shit. Yeah. And before. Uh, yeah. Although I don't really understand. Like he should be probably in the unknown regions by now. Um, it seems like he he's there on is. deployment. Like it's not like he's never been to Exegol or back. He's there it, yeah, as a, it, an agent in the CSA. It's just like he talks about how. Like, he talks about how the Empire is still kind of these, like, disparate warlords that are just now getting organized. And, like, unless it's possible he wasn't one of the Chosen who got whisked away. Um, but it's just, I don't know. I, I feel like he wasn't needed at all in the story. I feel like he added very, very little. Um, yeah. I w- kind of would have preferred them just to not include him. Yeah. Yeah, like, there were other places Ochi could have gotten the... the- troops he could have had a backup tracker on his ship like he could have just had a good hunter always is prepared and yeah he's got like a tracker in the in the refresher or something like there you go but i i do like part of that that i do like is that at the start he is a lot more competent and then he you kind of see him descending into Mm -hmm. uh just being a tool for the dagger so yeah Yeah, i think that's handled pretty well so I do like that. He probably wouldn't have had the presence of mind at that point to still use the tracker. I feel like that still does need to come from someone else. Maybe one of the other people he's been traveling with and having scenes with the entire time with like literally no payoff for anything they're doing. Yeah, they're just Uh, murdered. Yeah, they're murdered and then useless. I don't know how I felt about the whole tracker thing. Um, Or sorry, about the whole the sword, the knife thing. Um, Like... I I'm not, wasn't a huge fan of him getting like supernatural powers wielding it. It's not not a huge deal, but he's like deflecting blaster bolts and stuff. Well, it's a pretty st- not standard. Like it, it's a thing we do see where uh, with some of those relics, it rather than yeah. that person acting, it's the relic, mm-hmm. and like we see that with the mask for uh for the dead Sith Lord and even Nihilus's mask in legends could give people force powers if they put it on. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's fair. I just, I just don't like it. 
Like, it, I, I wasn't even a huge fan of Keith. Like, I don't. I'm okay with the influencing. I don't like the imparting Jedi abilities or whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about that because, like, it was the same thing with Nihilus. Yeah, I've. I just want to be clear. I didn't. I don't like it in Legends either, and it happens yeah. a, lo- a lot in Legends. Like, it happens happens with Exar Kun. Uh, well, which, I actually like it more with Exar Kun and with Kip's the power. mask here. Right. Uh, well, not even just because of Kip's power, but with uh, with Nihilus, it wasn't that like Nihilus was still in the mask. I don't think it was just that it was such a dark mm-hmm. side object that you put it on, you got that power. Yeah. Whereas with a lot of this, it's basically the Sith Lord is still clinging to life in their stupid object, and yeah. then they possess you. Which I think that's fair enough if that gives yeah. you force powers. It, it was kind of funny. So I listened to the audiobook for most of this, and it was very well done production, as they all are now. They're phenomenal. Great music. Really great acting. And I was just imagining, like, if like if you cut out... Because the scenes with the uh, where um, Keys is listening to the, the Sith Lord and the Mask are, are, are pretty scary, because there's, like, screaming and stuff, and they do a good yeah. job on the Sith voice. But I was just thinking, what if, like, it went back to that Jedi Academy trilogy uh, recording from, like, the 90s, where it's just, it's just, um, oh, what's his name again? Just doing Exerkin? Like, like, if they if they just swapped that in, how <laughs> funny that would have been. Mark Thompson? No, it's not Mark Thompson who did those. Um, Jedi Academy trilogy, I forget his name. Oh, this is... I should know. I think it's Anthony Heald who does those. Yeah, Anthony Heald. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he's very just kind of... He doesn't like really... He'll do like slight acting for the voices. Like like he'll make a female voice sound a little more female. And he'll make a little distinction between each voice. But it's not like yeah. nowadays where like they go fully into each character. Yeah. But like his, his Exarchoon voice was just... You know. It was just him speaking a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it used to just be let's read the book, but now it's a, a whole audio drama. So I mean, even the the early audiobooks did have like the one thing Star Wars audiobooks have always had going for them is they use the music. Um, yeah, which well, they won't get add, copyright it, strikes. It adds us. so much. The music adds so much. Um, yeah, it's sometimes in it'll be used sometimes weird, like like they'll be using binary sunset when like. Anakin gets denied for a date or something. <laughs> it's like it's not that big a deal. <laughs> Why was Anakin asking for dates? Uh, the, 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 the fruit. The fruit. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. he would never. Think, he would no. never. No. Uh, another thing I found funny was the the, the force diversity guy <laughs> on the on the uh, the mining or on the archaeological team. He's like, did did you catch that? He was basically complaining that like his I, f- I forget the species of the 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 dig leader. He was like an avian species, and he's like, you know, he's only there for <laughs> oh yeah yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that whole section. It's so funny. We had a Bomonkin. Yeah, which was weird. Bomonkin is in the Rise of Skywalker. For those who don't remember, he's yeah, he's, he's one of the hobbits. Yeah, he wears the ascot the whole time. <laughs> He's the guy who got lines that could have just as easily gone to Rose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I completely forgot. I was like, Beaumont? Oh, there's another guy in Star Wars named Beaumont. I was like, oh, it's the, it's the no, it's the same guy. Yeah, because this is, this is where he was established as working before. So uh, yeah. I, I don't know if it was necessary to come here, but I guess if you got to yeah. go to an archaeological dig site, then why not? 
yeah the, that that section was like where I, it's pretty early on when they're in the dig site and that's where it was like okay this book feels like it's dragging a little bit you know what i mean i do um, like all this stuff from like luke's perspective there it was like this guy seems like he spends all his time on 4chan and he's a dick to everyone around him. Yeah. But everyone still is hoping he's all right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like he's like started watching like Ben Shapiro videos like all day, but <laughs> yeah. you know, he's still a good guy. Um, one thing that I didn't like about this book is Luke, uh, like he acted kind of annoying sometimes. Uh, and I, I guess that's part of his character this, at this. this Luke. Yeah, it is Luke. Uh, for one thing, he does the old Lando comes with it, comes in with information. He's like, "Thanks, Lando. I'll handle this. I'll take it from here." And you know, that's just it's just you obviously expect him to say that, but it's just like, yeah. come on, it's very tropey. Uh, the other thing that I uh, the, it, this is the cardinal sin of pretty much every Star Wars novel featuring Luke. He's more than willing to massacre an entire legion of CSA troops or stormtroopers or uh, whoever else, but he tries for. 30 times to save Kiza, who time and time again is more than willing to go to the dark side. And he doesn't even really end up killing her in the end. She kind of gets crushed. Uh, And I I, I don't know. still feel like I should have done more when she comes back. Yeah, like you were willing to assassinate this guy who works for the CSA. He probably applied to that job not knowing he was going to be kidnapping children. Like, he probably doesn't even know what he's doing, and you're just here butchering people, and, like, Kiza was already a murderer, you gave, you gave her her chance, you're doing what you need to defend the galaxy, it's just like, come on. Yeah, I, in any kind of fiction like this, like, us normal people, we only exist to be character development for for the powerful ones. Except for it's the Thoronology. Like yeah. yeah. It's like the scene in Battlefront 2, which is a very good scene with him, where he's... Uh, talking to what's his fucking name i forget the guy's name mm. but it's the you same the exact same situation yeah after luke had killed like 40 people on his way there yeah i i tweeted about that and the writer for battlefront 2 responded to me he was like i get what you're saying but like what do you want us to do and i was like don't have a gameplay section right before this sequence where you have to slaughter 50 stormtroopers to get through i'm and i was like you can make a decision like you can uh, like sometimes I think it is worth sacrificing a bit of fun gameplay to tell a more kind of um, interesting story, especially where like the entire game is slaughter stormtroopers one through 30 and then move to the next room. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand it more with a with a game than with Me this because at least there's a, a clear purpose for that. But he but it does detract you do a get bit. a bit of it with the. Uh, with the bounty hunters where he is trying to avoid killing them and then the one yep. like impales himself. But yeah. yeah, I think that isn't a thing that the Black Fleet Crisis, Luke and Lando stories, even though they're separate stories, do handle a little bit better is like at least the con is there saying, what the fuck did you do all that for you? Yeah. And or the Thrawn duology where he's yeah. like more cognizant of like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be fucking mind wiping random Joe just because I want to get through this door and use the bathroom at a concert <laughs> there are a few kind of hints of luke coming to sort of similar ideas here mm-hmm. uh where it's like oh i know how powerful i am and whatever but it yeah. doesn't quite get to the timothy zahn view of the force no not quite at any point now, i don't know how much legends ever really stuck with that uh yeah i don't think it was it did. Just zan yeah 
Like, Jason turns into a big ball of force energy at the end of the Yuzon Volume <laughs> Though he does turn into a Sith Lord after that. So yeah, he maybe... later turns into an angry ball of force energy. Yeah. So, there we go. Uh, anything else we should talk about major plot-wise? A few notes here. Um... Yeah, I just Ochi of Bassoon at the end is drinking coolant. I liked I liked how his character just fully deteriorates. Yeah. Um I, I really liked Ochi in this. Yeah, he was I think fun. Lando and Ochi were the best characters in this for Yeah. I I also liked the relationship between I I did think the the you know, the end of Ray's family story is pretty heartbreaking. Yeah. Um they're a little too perfect as a couple. I mean that's something Star Wars does all the time, where it's like every minute they're hugging each other and like just. I think it'd be interesting if maybe there was a little bit of resentment for you know the fact that you've accidentally married Palpatine's offspring and like. But anyway, uh, do you think Lando banged that uh, that disciple of the dark side at the end? Uh, the one he was staying with, the one yeah. who would like renounce the disciples of the dark side, or yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a- I think we're both alone there for a while. Yeah, I don't know. The way I was I reading like it, was... it was like, for one, he he does talk outright about like him being both attracted to her and like I, I forget what else he says, but I don't yeah. know. I was definitely picking up some like, I don't know. For me, it felt like it was meant to be a little ambiguous. Um, yeah, I think you can interpret not. it that way. Because like Star Wars is, I don't think Star Wars is ever going to say besides for like the Jason Solo thing that like. These two characters who aren't in a relationship just had sex because it's fun. <laughs> yeah. Like, Star Wars doesn't really do that. Yeah, and when Jason and Tenelka do it, they, have they a, end up they have, with a baby. Have a kid, so. yeah. Like, I'm trying to think. Is Can you think of any case in Star Wars where like, uh, people... Corrin multiple times. That's true. Yeah, There's that's a true. reason we have the stack pull rating. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Gavin oh, yeah, there, you're, you know, there, there are cases in other stories. I guess it's Alphabet Squadron. There's some of that. But yeah. Gavin and Asir are in a relationship. Well, they're in a relationship, but they're. I'm talking not about married. like two people are just attracted to each other and they just, you know. Yeah, it doesn't happen that often, but. Yeah. Maybe that's because I, of some like morality thing that Star, like, Star Wars has or George Lucas had, or is it just because the stories are aimed at kids? Uh, I don't know if it's necessarily either. Like, even romantic subplots aren't that common. Yeah. So having just, like, random hookup subplots are probably going to be even less common than that. Where, like, yeah. sure, you, you get it in the in the Starfighter pilot-focused things. That's because it's, like, that's the tone of them. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a good point. Whereas, good like, point. anyone else that would be viably in a position where you'd hear about them hooking up, they're usually like a main enough character that they probably got some other romantic subplot going on. I guess on you get a bit in uh, in High Republic between... I've already forgotten the names of the, the Jedi in that, but... Elzar, Elzar does Elzar with, and, uh, um, the circus director. I the circus director name. and also what's her name, but they kind of have a yeah. relationship. Yeah, so it, it happens. It's not super common, but... There you go. All right, do you want to give our ratings and then answer some questions? Yeah, um, I really liked parts of this book. It did. It definitely really dragged at parts, and it was more kind of limiting than I would have liked. But it was a nice kind of return to an EU style 
story. I will mention too the the bit they have. I, I like how they're handling the ancient Sith Lord. Like the guy they're facing off against in this one, he's a real butcher and he's a real he's powerful and yeah, you know, he's not just Sith from the old times number sixty. So I like that. Um, so I'm gonna give it a B. Yep, I'm basically in the same place. Some places that felt like it was a bit long. Uh, I I was actually at first thinking, oh, what's this Sith Lord subplot really doing here? But then that would turn out to be uh, one of my favorite parts of it. So yeah, I, I'm I'm giving it a B as well. That's kind of the opposite. The Sith Lord stuff was definitely the least my least favorite part. It grew on me once we got to Luke going to the asteroid base. That's fair. We also get a Tie Defender. Um, That's true. We get a an old uh, CIS core ship. Which is one thing that's funny. I'm not sure if you picked up on this, but the whole final fight is taking taking place like right next to Exegol. Like Pretty much. that. The the, the I you're in the you, red honeycomb zone. Yeah, I figured you picked up on that. It's also funny that it's called red honeycomb zone. It sounds like a fucking Sonic the Hedgehog yeah. level. <laughs> that's how the Sith make people. Well, I mean, part of it is just like Luke doesn't know how to get through there if he needed to. But did he even? Know, but does he realize? I don't does think he, he does. I don't think he does. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, like Ochi's talking about it a lot, but that's also where he's saying like he's kind of screwed getting through. Actually, I think Luke might realize it because mm. he was figuring because he was talking about how uh, they'd been hoping to get the crystals from him to get through there. Right. Mm, does he? Yeah. I guess didn't he, he comment does. on that's why they'd want it? Because the ship crashed. Yeah, now they I, have I don't know if he realized though that. Yeah, you're you're right. He does make that connection. I don't know if he knows that it's that specific area of space. I can't remember or not, but that's a good point. He does. Yeah, he does. Like, make maybe that he doesn't realize that's that is where Exegol is, but he knows theoretically mm-hmm. that's how they'd be planning to get there. So, One thing yeah. I like too is uh, they've there's this this video or this book has lots of uh, Lovecraftian or not necessarily Lovecraft lots of leviathans in it yeah uh, there's one on the crystal planet they fight on which is kind of neat neat planet lots of cool planets in this book and then there's also the uh, space the one. the space the space one which is, which is also featured in the uh, the the Vader comic I forget what they're called it's the same one as in solo or relative of the one in solo yeah all right uh, I think that does it for yeah good book fun book definitely I'd, I'd recommend it pick up the audiobook the audiobook's really good and it's long so you definitely get your you get your enjoyment with it for sure yep all right uh we do have a few questions mostly not related to the book itself uh i'll have to check again afterwards see if we got any new ones while we were going but our first question that's most related to the book is from joel who says, since both Plagueis and Revan have been mentioned in canon and by this book, it seems that we may get some more in-depth look at these characters' new canon. However, what do you think they'll change and what do you think they'll keep? In particular, what do you think of uh, of Plagueis that they'll keep from the James Lucino book, given that he was a Lucas character first that Lucino just happened to flesh out? Do you think they'll go a completely different direction with Plagueis towards something Lucas had more in mind with the character to do a new take on him? I don't know if I'd necessarily call, call Plagueis a Lucas character. I, I don't know how much, but I, I know, like, I don't know what Lucas invented other than the name. Um, I'm not saying I'm not saying there weren't aspects. I, I just actually don't know. Yeah. Um, I think that's what Joel means there, of that, like, the name was invented by Lucas. And then yeah. The details fleshed um, out by Lucino. I, I, I honestly couldn't guess. I, I think they've purposely left it as open as possible. Um and like, even if Revan, they could make an entire High Republic or High, Old Republic thing, 
you know, canon with another character, and you know, then Revan just becomes another Sith Lord from whenever time. Yeah, uh, I have no idea what they'll end up doing with Revan if anything changes with him. I think if we see Plagueis, the most likely place to see that is going to be an acolyte, acolyte like a yeah. figure there. Uh, I don't. Th- I think they'll probably still keep him a mun, just because it's so identified with the character now. Like they wouldn't have to keep that, but it's just it's not like it's an obscure detail. Yeah, it's yeah. something that like there's no reason not to do that unless they need him to blend in with society in some other way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But beyond that, I they've probably got to keep the whole uh experimentation element of him with like the the midichlorian experiments yeah especially because it ties in to kind of some of the stories they're doing now um i i I got a question so uh kiza is using a lightsaber from a different sith lord um nicest or noctis but in the flashbacks doesn't the other sith have the same kind of lightsaber like a doesn't he also have a curved, uh, like a scimitar style blade? I thought. Uh, I don't know if he had a lightsaber. I was less clear on that. I think he did. I because th- I, th- I think there's it talks about him turning it on in front of, like when he's in the, when he's in the the dining hall, and murdering everybody. But maybe I could be mistaken on that. I thought he was using like a regular sword. Oh, it's possible. Misread it. Because uh, I did pick up on the the curved thing thing. Like, oh, what did he have? Noctis's lightsaber. Uh, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah, and that's from the uh, kind of hints at that. It, it kind of hints at its origin in the book. That's from like the the legends and that legends and myths book, which I yeah. read a bit of and I heard was pretty good, but I haven't yeah, read it yeah. all. It's not a fully canon thing, but like they just it's the kind of thing where you can use whatever you want. I actually just found the section really quickly. Congratulations! As hard as an iron found right there. Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, you're right. Black iron rod. Oh, no, hold on. Someone screams as the red blade appears long and curved, a scimitar made of the dying light of a red sun. So it sounds like he's got a red sword. As the red blade appears long well, and curved, a scimitar made of the dying was, light. Isn't that what he was forging? No, this was is the, before that. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, just, I'll just read the section out. Because it sounds like he may have just had a red blade, and maybe that's why he was attracted to... To Noctis's lightsaber? I don't know, though. Someone screams as the red blade appears. Long and curved, a scimitar made of the dying light of a red sun and the hate of Viceroy Exim Panshard. Panshard. He beheads the jester, then stands and laughs. Because oh. I'm not sure when he was around, whether it was like a pre-lightsaber thing, because he seems less like Galactic Sith Lord than... Yeah. Like... He just seems like a random Sith that was on a planet. Yeah, like uh, one of the Tales of the Jedi style Sith Lords. Yeah. Uh, and, and this other one, they talk about the sound of the curved blade. Okay. Well, if it was um, making sounds that weren't just like swish. It's unclear because it could be while well, he's swinging it. I don't know. Oh, wait. The Viceroy, the red scimitar of light. So it sounds like okay. he had a red lightsaber of his own. So. Uh, yeah. So, so I, guess, I guess he lost his lightsaber, then sought out one that was similar. If anyone, or he, depending on like the timeline, maybe he could have had Noctis had the, himself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but thank you, Joel. Our next question is from Christopher, who says, "With Star Wars mostly set in the '80s sci-fi punk, what modern technology or social concepts would be you interested 
or would you be interested in seeing added to canon? For me, it would be fun if there were some materials exploring social media within the universe and how the galaxy collectively reacts to the major events and people and what holonet culture would be like. It is disgusting. don't really want them to go into that too much because I feel like that changes the nature of the holonet a bit too much. Um, where I, I don't really feel like the internet or the, the holonet is a full kind of internet replacement, but I don't know. I, I, I honestly think they could do more with the droid right stuff and the droid consciousness like they touch on that continually but yeah yeah it never really goes anywhere beyond that i'm gonna tweet the the author and see if he'll answer the question with the it's lightsaber yeah. yeah seems pretty active on twitter probably yeah he's i i noticed anytime the book gets mentioned in like my comments he he always comes and likes it and respond or responds when he can so cool uh I don't know. I think like uh, a story about how uh, one of the one of the kids gets like addicted to social media and has to get talked to by Han and Leia, Jordan like Peterson. giving Ben a. You can't go to these sites or like that that plot in NJO where Anakin got a porn addiction. Yeah, I thought was it was pretty, weird. That was but, dark, uh, but it was interesting. Yeah. So I, I could see social media having an interesting impact on the Star Wars galaxy. But I don't know. I'm trying to think of other tech. Like, there's got to be a Star Wars YouTube where, like, they can all get into terrarium videos and <laughs> just end up like me. I don't know. I I don't know. I, I feel like Star Wars tries has tried to maintain that kind of similar um, tech, similar society. Yeah. 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 It's hard to think of something to introduce that wouldn't be like so majorly different without. Mm-hmm. Rocket boots need more rocket yeah. boots in there. There's some, but there's not enough. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Christopher. Uh, I'm totally, totally down with that. More personal shields. They seem really useful, but they give you they give you space cancer. Yeah, they the give you cancer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but next question comes from Blake, who says the next the other day while I was this comes with a, a visual aid that I'll need to pull up. The other day while I was mindlessly scrolling through Instagram, I received an advertisement for the Star Wars Celebration Online store. Seeing what appeared to be a soft-sided cooler in the shape of the Empire Strikes Back ice cream machine and being suckered by novelty, I clicked the link to see what items were still available. It was then that I came across probably the worst piece of Star Wars merchandising that I've ever seen. Oh, and I, see this. I, I am going to defend this a little bit here. At first, I wasn't sure what it even was, but I was drawn to the very large R2-D2 at the back. Much to my shock, this blob is supposed to be an X-Wing pool float, even though it looks more like a Naboo land speeder from The Phantom Menace. Given the exorbitant price and horrible design, I'm surprised this wasn't a big seller. Now, I understand where you're coming from. And I'll pull this up right Who now. Who is this one from? I just want to pull it up. Uh, this is from Blake. Okay. Uh, making sure that there's no... <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, yeah, that's, ex- that's expensive for what it is. Yeah. Making sure there's no identifying details on the picture they sent. But this is what it is. It to, okay. It's 100. I'm going to be. It, it's right here. But uh, I'm going to be blocked by it a little bit. It's 120 bucks. Doesn't That's... look the most like an X-Wing. I'll, I'll say that off the top here. But do you really want a U-Wing pool float? No one's going to buy that. So you, you're going to have to settle for a weirdly shaped X-Wing. Honestly, the, my main problem is, for one, anyone who has children knows that that R2-D2 is going to be a barrier to getting your kids in the pool, yeah. and they're going to be screaming as you're trying to blow up the thing that, event- that essentially just takes away 
uh, room to float on it. It looks like it comes out, though. Maybe. I mean, I, I think that's probably just a seam, but it, it could. My th- thing is, that's really expensive. Is it? I, I don't have... I'm not rich enough to have a pool, so I don't know how much floaties are supposed to cost. I think that should cost $60. What's a, what's a standard uh inflatable pool thingy let's let's see how that works all right there's a shitty one that's much smaller for 60 bucks all right this inflatable tank that i'm looking at that has like a water gun on it is 100 bucks canadian this is 100 bucks american i assume 120 probably like that's that is very expensive but yeah you know, like you're also gonna need to blow up those. Uh, each one of the X-wings wings are gonna need to be blown yeah. up separately. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like I, I don't think it's great. I, I'm, I agree with you. It's not nearly the worst bit of Star Wars tie-in merch I've seen. Um, there was like a just, Darth Vader toaster I had on my Nobot video, but yeah, something my parents gave me that I immediately tossed it. Uh, <laughs> The oranges, the, those are probably the worst. It was Star Wars brand oranges. It was just oranges with a Star Wars uh, logo on the package. That was pretty how, bad. Oh, how do you? Okay. Yeah. I I mean I feel like they're missing out on what's the really good money maker here of Star Wars water X wings, where like your arms go through the main engine thing and then mm-hmm. you blow up the rest and you look a bit like an X wing. It's probably a safety hazard. That's why I don't design kids' toys. But there. That one's free, Disney. Give me my check the usual way. That's a joke. Before I don't get paid. Uh, Thank you, Blake. Uh, I I don't know. I I just have no frame of reference for Mm -hmm. what, what a pool thing should cost. Or if you could make like the nose look better, could could it be a yeah, Y wing? What's thing. the better move like, to make? Uh, yeah, it would be better. The problem is it it, it just doesn't look like an X wing. Like none yeah. of the little it details. It looks like a U wing. It would look yeah. like a U wing. Make like, it a solo tie in or some shit. The uh, like it doesn't have the it doesn't have the the the, the dick nose that the X wing has. It doesn't have the little exhaust ports. It doesn't have you know. It just doesn't it doesn't look like an X wing. That is a problem. There are things that wouldn't impact the design and the functionality of the floaty that aren't being that aren't, haven't been done. All right, so we'll workshop that on our next TapCap episode. We'll get the uh, Google SketchUp open. We'll we'll make a new floaty X-wing. Yep. A star destroyer, easy floaty to make. Yeah, easy, easy, easy. easy. Yeah. Triangle. You sit in the triangle. The turbo lasers are your cup holders. You fit a party of eight in there. You're good. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Blake. Our next email comes from Seamus, who says, Today I have a question regarding the post-Endor era in canon. I've always been a fan of the post-Endor era of Legends, and one of the things I liked most about the era was how unconstrained it was. The novels and comics were what really carried the area, the era, or carried that era before the Disney acquisition, which allowed the development of my favorite series in Star Wars NJO. In comparison, the post-Endor era in canon is largely constrained by the sequels. Uh, as well, the main stories of the era are being told through television shows, which are limited in ways that novels aren't. In addition to that, Lucasfilm seems hesitant to create stories after Rise of Skywalker, which is an era where the writers would have total freedom. Uh, my question for you then is, 
How would you go about fixing this problem, assuming you find this to be a problem at all? Personally, I would like to see stories set in the distant future where the legacy of the previous stories and, char and characters do not hamper the creative freedom of writers. Uh, that's my opinion, though, and curious to see to hear your thoughts. I mean, the, they try, they're trying with the High Republic to do that. What you've got to do is you've got to communicate and you've got to have a really long-term plan. And it might not be practical, um, but like you've got to, you know, say, okay, movies are going to cover this. You're free to do this, but like I don't think there's that level of coordination. So I don't, I don't think, think there ever has been. I don't know that that's functionally that different from what happens, though. Yeah. Like I think part of the problem is that there is that 30 year gap of the most uh, immediately relevant stuff to fill, where we know the endpoint already. Which is why I've typically never been a fan of the whole oh, we need to go X amount of time into the future, then we're not held by any of that, rather than just kind of going forward chronologically. I don't think there was really a way to do the sequel trilogy without a big time jump if you want to have uh, Luke Han and Leia at all, because uh, obviously they're the ages they are. But mm -hmm. it does mean a lot of the stories in the middle aren't going to be uh, as free to explore stuff with those characters, especially. I do think there's been room to tell... Uh, just, decent stories yeah. either with them or without them like the alphabet squadron books don't rely on them at all and don't really rely on the long-term story stuff it's just new characters doing something that is interesting and powerful in its own way uh but it does mean like we were talking about earlier that when you try to tell stories about luke's academy because we know it it kind of dies before it gets off the ground that that's going to be less interesting well I, I i don't know i feel like the story is probably not only constrained by the future or the the movies that have come out but also like they're just not sure where mando and tv shows are going to go you know what i mean um maybe that's not the case but that's at least what it feels like to me so i think in my perfect world you'd kind of know like okay that like you can use these characters and do this where I, I don't think they've fully figured that out yet. So I think they're maybe being a little bit conservative of what they do, but I could be mistaken. Do you mean, uh, like no books would be able to use characters like Ahsoka or Mando or any of the main rebels cast, because that's a thing. That no, I, I'm, I'm more mean like or... they couldn't tell if they wanted to tell a Thrawn trilogy, for example, even if it fit within the confines of the or maybe not a Thrawn trilogy if they want to tell some big universe like like some big Thrawn trilogy level threat where you can still come out by the time of the sequel trilogy you know just with what's happened and I think that they would probably be stopped by do stop from doing that because they want you know the man Mandalorian to ultimately kind of drive what happens or but, they want the TV shows to drive what happens in this era but wouldn't the reasoning for that essentially be that they already know they want to tell that story with the Mandalorian if it's going to happen no I, I'm not saying they want to tell that specific story I'm saying that I, I think that they want even if they don't know exactly what's going to happen I think they want TV shows to be the driver of the right. big stories in the era even if they don't know what those big stories are yet so but I, saying, I think that's more of an indication of like the TV shows are the priority rather than that there's not the planning there I, I think that's a result of the planning saying that you can't do that with the books because if we do that, we want to do that with the movies. Yeah, but if you planned it out, if you really planned it out to a level that might not even be possible, you would know, okay, the TV shows are going to be the driver and they're going to do this. So although we can't do this one big story, you can have the books still do as much as they want in this area, and I don't think they're there yet. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, I, I just don't see how that would really be possible to have both that level of planning and then the freedom for yeah, someone no, else to I, come I, in I, and say, uh, you're doing that and I'm also going to throw in this story here. Yeah, I'm not sure it is possible. Um, and that's almost why, like I've said it before, I think they should have waited until after at least the second movie to tell the aftermath level stories um, because I think that they ended up being largely changed anyways. Uh, like the aftermath and the other really early stories, like a lot of them were in just straight up ignored later or they were inconsequential. And like, I think some of those would have benefited from waiting until they had a bit more kind of runway. Hmm. We'll have to see what they end up deciding about uh, post rise of Skywalker stuff where like the yeah. bigger stories are probably going to be more immediate rather than, a big time jump because I, I do think big time jumps tend to be more of a problem than a fix because then you have these areas jumps, yeah. where it's not like star wars is ever going to say okay we're doing this time jump and that solves us being constrained by other stuff because you're still trying to tell all these stories that are interconnected and people are going to see that 200 years and it's going to be like oh well, what happened there and yeah. then you end up with the same problem where now it's 200 years and that problem's happening yeah. and that's one of the things that you run into with uh with like the the legends time jump between uh like this slightly after njo era going to the legacy era where we the timeline ended before we ever really got to find out what was going to happen there but mm -hmm. there was a pretty fixed end point with crate a lot of characters who were already still around in that period that would have probably been a not super enthusiastically received period mm -hmm. and we see the same thing with like that. That is the problem that you end up with uh, stories between episode six and episode seven, where yeah, they kind of can only fill gaps. Yep. No, I, I I'm not interested in far future, and unless we get there organically. Yeah, when we're ninety and reading about 130 APY. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, episode 600 of no, it's got to be farther in the future than that. Of tap calf transmissions. What well, uh I mean we're doing like fifty years. a year, so yeah. We'll be in the thousands of episodes. Yeah. All right. Anything else we need to talk about? No, I think we're good, unless there's any other emails. But I that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover. Uh I'll just quickly open up the email again. And well, after this, we are gonna be playing some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Gonna finish Shredder's Revenge. Yeah. Uh, we did get one more question while we were talking. So from Adam, who asked, "Do either of you think we'll see overlap with the way Obi Wan Kenobi ended in the story of Jedi Survivor, since both take place in the same time period?" I can see Reva in the path being major parts of the story, along with maybe appearances from Quinlan in the long way to return of Obo Rancisis. I think that um, I think that it's possible what the game does will be kind of indicative of the level of cooperation between the different kind of storytelling mediums uh i think if there is tie-in with jedi or with obi-wan in the game they'll have shared more than i kind of expect because i i feel yeah. like each has kind of developed broadly um on their own but yeah i think the path will show up in some form yeah, I think, I think I, that's I, I I agree. I think if there's gonna be something like like high level, the path would definitely be yeah. something really cool to see. Uh 
uh, yeah, beyond that, I don't think like I don't Quinlan Voss is going to show up. I feel like the like older Jedi Master who's been through some shit is probably just going to be Eno Cordova. I don't think we need two characters for that. Yeah. So like for that being the main reason, I don't think we'd get. I think Quinlan Voss is probably just going to get his uh, get his retirement, like he did in Legends, but. Yeah, he's gonna move away with Ala Sakura somewhere, and a clone of Ala Sakura. That's gonna be the big plot of Mando season three. Two clones. Why not? Why not? All right, that is it. That's Tapcalf. You've been transmitted by yep. everyone. You've been transmitted. It's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. <laughs>